You know, you got to celebrate that Bitcoin is above 21,000, even after we've had another chapter 11 liquidation and this time, or, or bankruptcy filing. And this time it is Genesis admitting that they owe over three and a half billion dollars to over 50 creditors. So we're going to be talking about what this liquidation means to the crypto markets because the market didn't move. It's almost like the market priced this in. All right, then we're going to talk about a whole lot of altcoins. And then we're going to talk about Charles Hoskinson and Cardano because we got to, he's calling me out for reporting incorrect data around Cardano. So we'll look at the data. We'll decide together whether the data is correct or incorrect. And then we'll make a call. So let's do this. Let's do this. Fuck out of bed, bitch, go. Get up, get up, I think they got go. Gotta wake up, gotta wake up, bitch, get up. Get up, get up. Get up. rise and shine you bunch of degens and let me tell you why i called you guys a bunch of degens because remember when we met here yesterday and i said to you guys i'm giving you five coins that we haven't actually spoken about before but do not go and ape into these coins because if you do you're going to be the exit liquidity well i want to just show you what happened to those five coins so i mean we'll start off with conic so conic shot up today um i'll take you you can see that it shot up today to about eight dollars 69 um that was you guys. I warned you guys, don't get in because they had a pump. We had Radiant, which pumped yesterday. And then we had, let's get, let's let's show you a Canto also. Absolutely, absolutely pumped. I hope it wasn't you guys actually buying the pump. If you bought it and you made 40%, well, congratulations, congratulations. That's what we try and do. We try and bring you the highest alpha per minute shows on the internet. That's what we try our very best to do. If you want the highest per minute alpha shows, highest alpha per minute shows on the internet, all you need to do is subscribe to our channel, and again, I must thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. Someone says, check my sound. Is there something wrong with my sound? All right, let's check. Let's check if there's anything wrong with my sound. Um, Rand can move the markets. That's cool. All right. So, um, so first of all, thank you to all of you guys. Love you guys. Bunch of DJs. Uh, 596,000 subscribers on YouTube. We're growing in the bear market, which just shows how loyal you guys actually are. Um, Smash the like button. Yesterday, you guys really helped us get Unshadow Band. It was the first day that we weren't Unshadow Band. And you can see it in our views yesterday versus the views of all the other days. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Do it again. Like, 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 like. In fact, I heard a rumor that if there are enough likes by the end of the show, just maybe, 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 just maybe, maybe we'll give one away today. There is a chance. There is a chance that we're going to give away one of the Rolexes today. All right. So someone says... Bitcoin is waking up. Um, let's quickly look at that. Bitcoin is waking up, 21,187. It's quite cool that we're getting 21,187 on the day of a Chapter 11 filing by Genesis, which now claims that it owes debtors, creditors, $3.5 billion. We're going to spend some time talking about that. We've got the S&P, which was rejected from this trend that we've been following, and that's good and bad. Bad that it didn't break through. Good that it went down, but Bitcoin is holding its own. Then let's quickly look at the bubbles. So, oh, wow, look at look what happened to FTX. So FTX, um, also, DGEN, DGEN, DGEN play, trading back at $2.29. And that's on hopes that they may actually be starting up the exchange again. The liquidator came out yesterday. John Ray came out yesterday and said, we are open to anything, including possibly starting up the exchange again. But is that actually a viable plan? Well, Sam Bankman-Fried thinks so. I seem to think so. But some other people have told me that that's maybe not really such a viable plan. Um, let's look at some other altcoins. I saw Frax, um, my, okay, AVAX, the elephant in the room. I'm still short. I'm down five grand. I'll take it on the chin for now. Um, Frax, I saw that Frax is again up above $10. Um, there was a trade and I think you've probably missed that trade. And the trade was to short Lido and long Frax because 
people thought that Lido was going to lose market share and there was a big seller of Lido and long fracks. But I think you've missed that trade now. I think you've missed that trade. And I think that it's time to get into new trades. So to get into new trades, you know, today's Friday. And what do we do on Fridays? Fridays is our, are our banter days. And remember that our Friday banters are brought to you by none other than NordVPN. They are our partners. They are the best VPN for crypto people in the world. And I've said this before a million times to you guys. If you are surfing, if you are in crypto and you don't have a VPN, you're absolutely crazy. For one, you're not surfing anonymously. They can see exactly where your computer is, which country, which territory. And you can keep yourself anonymous by getting yourself a VPN. It will mask your IP address. And if you do use the link below, you will get the deal um, and pay $3.35 per month. Okay, just get the VPN. Help NordVPN continue to sponsor us so we can bring you guys amazing alpha high alpha per minute shows uh, here on Friday Banters. All right, let's do this. Let's do this. We've got a big show today. We've got Ishan back with us. We've got Jose back with us. And we've got Abishal back with us. Gentlemen, how are you? Are we feeling a bit more bullish? Ishan, I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you. Are you feeling a bit more bullish? Uh, Why aren't yeah, I hearing uh, you? There we go. There we go. Yeah, okay. yeah we're starting to, to turn it a little bit. I don't know. Tides are, you know, tides are turning. Uh, people uh, are are changing their views. Um, you know, I think especially after this, I think bears are uh, in disbelief. Um, I, I I think something's changing. You know, you know what what gave me a a a the idea that something's changing. Two things have happened recently, which have given me the idea that something's happening. The first thing that happened is the market started responding to news. So that's like. We're getting. We got news of of uh, Avex and and Amazon, and and uh, the market responded. We got Gala news. The market responded, and then what I looked at, I actually looked at some data, and the data that I specifically looked at was this data over here, which is the realized price for Bitcoin. And what you can see is that for the first time in a while, Bitcoin's trading over its realized price, which means that in aggregate, it means that most Bitcoin, that but that the aggregate Bitcoin holder is above his cost base. And that makes people much less risk averse and much more, you know, much more uh, amenable to spend. And that, that is when they're going to slightly more risky assets. So it does look like the patient has a heartbeat. It looks like the market's back. It has some kind of heart. Also, it's been a long time since I've seen tokens running on reports. And there were a couple of reports published this week and tokens started to run. We covered some of those reports, et cetera. So I'm feeling a bit more bullish. Jose, bullish, feeling a bit better? Or how are you feeling? Are you, do you trust this little bounce? Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm bullish. I was bullish last time I was here. I don't know if anyone heard it because my internet sucked, but I, I did say I thought there was a 50% chance we'd uh, we'd we'd seen the bottom, um, and obviously that's just plucked out of my uh, you know out of my orifice. But but I, I still stand by that, and I think it's probably higher percentage now, um, just because I, I don't see um, who's sort of left to sell and 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 didn't puke all their coins uh, in all the chances they had um, kind of earlier this year. And I agree with you on the on the psychology. We're seeing like um, negative events come out, like a Genesis bankruptcy in the market that doesn't react or or or, or pumps. Um, obviously, all the macro concerns and stuff still stand, but I don't think any I don't think anyone on crypto Twitter or really there's probably very few people in the world have an edge with with the macro. And I think the the sort of secular reasons to be bullish crypto haven't changed. If anything, they're the, well, I definitely think they're stronger than ever given where the world's headed. So. Yeah, um, I think it's hard not to be bullish after mm. like the price drops we've seen in the year we've 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 had. So I'm going to say that you mentioned macro, and I think that when I look at macro, and again, I'm not a macroeconomist, and it's very hard to be a macroeconomist and to have any edge in macroeconomics. You know this, but I'm I'm looking at inflation. Inflation is under two percent if you annualize it based on the last six months, which you know if the market is 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 looking at inflation, it's <clears> under two percent, which is what the Fed's target is. You can see that the gold price is actually responding to it pretty well. The gold price is pumping. And usually when the gold price pumps, it's in anticipation of the Fed loosening their, their tight policies. And you can see that gold starting to react as if uh, inflation's finished and they're expecting the Fed to start reducing rates. Now, it's probably too early to start celebrating, but I would say that the macro problems or specifically the, the inflation-related macro problems are behind us. And as you say, we've had all the liquidations in crypto. And the people that are left are the bunch of retired DGENs, which are not selling their coins at any price. Um, you can kind of see that. Like, it feels like everyone's been flushed out. Um, so I don't know. I think 
we will talk a little bit more about the, the Genesis uh, chapter 11 because I think we do, we do need to spend some time on it. But that's how I feel macro. Avishal, how are you guys feeling from a macro point of view, specifically crypto macro point of view? Not, we're not really talking about macro macro. Um, well, first and most importantly, not financial advice for me ever. And, uh, I'm, a ter- uh, and, yeah, and I'm a terrible trader, so nobody should ever listen to me. Uh, but, you know... Uh, we're always long-term bullish. I think, it, you know, to, to Jose's point, like you can't, I don't think you can be in this space and not look out 10 years and say, you know, is this space going to be, you know, a lot bigger in 10 years than it is today? Like, absolutely. And that's why we do things like the developer report. I think just like looking at the fundamentals, you look at, you know, 25,000 developers a month writing code and you're like, oh, there's no way this isn't going to be bigger in, in 10 years than it is today in some form. Yeah, we've got to talk about the developer report. And I'll tell you why we have to talk about the <laughs> developer report. So I did a little review of your developer report. I, I, I took the report, I opened the report, I showed the results of the report. <laughs> I did, I did that. And um, the Cardano community came flying back at me saying, shamefully dishonest, Cardano community surprised, not surprised, Crypto Man Hunter's no integrity, shows a VC report that lies about dev activities, especially <laughs> on Cardano. Consistently, the top daily GitHub commit for 2022, yet no dev community, not possible. Um, he's threatening me with that. Lucky that I don't live in the United States because I could get a lawsuit. Uh, Charles Hoskinson jumped in and he says, YouTubers that shilled Solana and Luna uh, aren't given a Cardano fair representation using biased sources. Excuse me while I catch my breath from the profound surprise and shock. <laughs> what? Okay, so what am I? Oh, dude, I love the card. I love the Cardano community. They're so passionate. Even when they're wrong, they're still so passionate about what they believe. I love it. So why do they believe that they actually have a whole lot of GitHub commits? I mean, I, I must say, I, I did look for more data because I'm always open to check yeah, if I'm wrong. Yeah, me too. I, I did check it here. Um, they say that Sentiment published at Cardano had yeah. the list of top, top blockchain's dev activity throughout the year. And they said that Sentiment published them as the, as the, um, as the, uh, the winner. Uh, what, what's the discrepancy there? Yeah. So usually all these other sources, what they're doing is they're only going to that one repository. So they're only going to like the Cardano protocol repository or or the Ethereum protocol repository or the Solana protocol repository and looking at that. What we do is we crawl, uh, I think at the last check it was like 250 million code commits across you know tens of thousands, I think hundreds of thousands of repositories just in crypto. And then we crawl all of open source. So we're crawling you know tens of millions of, of repositories and then we're tying them all together. So we have a, it's an open source. Anybody can go contribute to it. It's an open source uh, taxonomy. And we're saying things like, hey, look, optimism is a part of the Ethereum community. Uh, you know, there's something built on GMX is built on optimism. Uh, I can't remember. It's Arbitrum or Optimism. I think GMX is Arbitrum, but you Arbitrum. get the idea. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, GMX is on Arbitrum. Arbitrum is built on Ethereum. Those are all part of the same ecosystem um, because ultimately it rolls down to Ethereum. Right. So we can actually go do all of that. And that's all open source. The Cardano community can go can co- go contribute to that taxonomy if they think that there are there's a large ecosystem, just go commit, go do a pull request, put it in there, and we'll start crawling those things. Um, but I, I'm, I'm fairly confident that nobody has as com- uh, comprehensive a repository crawled as we do. And generally what people are doing is only looking at that one repository, um, which is, you know, if you have... Um, if you have a lot of people working on your protocol, it is going to show it that way. But if you don't have an ecosystem, then our repository will call that out because we're crawling so much more than anybody else. I, I feel very confident in saying we have better data about this than hands down than anybody else. Not even close. Let, let's start off with the report. because I think this is a good place to start. We can then move on to FTX and Genesis and, and everything else we want to talk about. But I think a good place to start is the report and the layer ones. And I mean, I wasn't surprised by the Ethereum, you know, leading the pack with the most developers. I guess that's that's pretty much expected. One thing that really, really, really surprised me was, Pol- was Polkadot. Yeah. So, so, so you look at Polkadot, and Polkadot seems to be, you know, around in the top five. So let's let's call it in the top five. Mm-hmm. But I'm not really seeing much, many Polkadot projects coming out there. I'm not seeing VCs bullish on Polkadot. I'm not seeing where's the discrepancy there because instinctively you say, look, the more devs, the more projects, the more projects, the more VCs. Yeah. Where is the discrepancy? Why is Polkadot so high? It's it's a great question. Um, and, you know, it's actually, it's, it's interesting going back to the Cardano thing. If you, you know, um, if you look at kind of where we actually have investments, we're, we actually have very few investments in, in those top five. Um, 
or the top 10 even, because uh, we tend to focus on long tail stuff. So I think anybody who's trying to attribute like bias to, hey, we're trying to push the stuff that we own um, is, is clearly mistaken. On the Polkadot thing, it's a really good question. We ask ourselves, we ask ourselves this every year. We're like, where, where are these people? The best theory we have right now is that they are, um, they skew Asia centric. And so there's a lot of people um, in, in China and in that ecosystem that are, are into Polkadot. Um, and, and that would make sense from what I understand, like parody spent a lot of time on the ground in those markets, uh, building out ecosystems. And, and that, that universe actually is, is like a very different universe than the ones that intersect with, uh, the, with Europe and, and United States. And so the VCs you normally hear about uh, in, in English media um, are generally not as plugged into the Polkadot ecosystem. Um, but we've, we've triple checked these numbers. It's always surprising to us how, how many developers are, are around the Polkadot ecosystem because we, we, we organically don't see many of them either. So I have two questions for you in that regard. Based on these developer numbers, are you, you, you mentioned you don't invest very much in Polkadot. Um, based on these development numbers, are you, if you guys are out writing a, a developer report, it clearly means that you think that this is one of the most important metrics out there Correct. to determine whether or not a, a protocol is going to succeed or not. Because it's the brain power which brings the money and the money brings the dApps and the dApps bring the users and the users bring the TVL and the transactions and whatever right. else. So... When you see when you see a number like that, does it tempt you to go back and look at the Polkadot ecosystem? Yeah, short answer. I mean, across, across all of these. I mean, the the other. I mean, I think two years ago, so maybe last year actually, the number that, that most surprised us was Cosmos. Um, and we looked at that because you know usually the the narrative is something comes out of the gate and it goes vertical. And there are these graphs on the actual developer report. Like if you go to my Twitter or Maria's Twitter, um, Maria's a partner at Electric. Yeah, I've got Maria, Maria. Yeah, like these, these are these are that, that that exact one that you were actually on. You know, these these zero index graphs I think are really great. So what you do is you take the first uh, code commit that you see in a repository affiliated with that protocol, and you put that on day zero, and you can kind of graph that out for for you know how many days and how many developers over time, and. Um, what you see is actually like Cosmos was not growing very quickly for the first four or five years of its existence. And then it sort of it sort of tipped and it started to take off, which is which is pretty atypical. Um, and yeah, if you scroll, let's see. Is it? Um, no, keep keep going up. Actually, I think it's before this. Yeah. So if you look at those, those like multicolored ones. Yeah. Yeah. So what this is showing is, you know, like. Each of these lines represents one of those ecosystems. And you see that big purple one is, is Ethereum. Um, and, and that zero all the way on the left is the first time we saw a code commit in any repository affiliated with that ecosystem. And so you can essentially zero index all of these things. And you can say, for example, you know, how is Polkadot growing compared to Ethereum early days? Or how is BNB, how's BSC growing compared to the early days of Ethereum? Because they, they started years apart, right? So how do, you, how do you compare these? And what's really interesting is you see Cosmos right below Ethereum there with you know, 2,000 1,500, 2,000-ish developers total. And you see it didn't really take off until year five, um, which is pretty crazy compared to you know, how quickly projects and ecosystems take off these days. And so um, that was actually the one that surprised us the most that caused us to sort of go back and, and do a little bit of a double take and say, hey, what's what's going on here? Um, but, you know, you can you can kind of see the cluster that you would you would actually kind of expect, right? It's, it's like Solana, Cosmos, Polygon, Polkadot. It used to be BSC and they've fallen off a little bit. But it actually sort of matches your intuition about where you where you organically see developers. Like the numbers roughly seem to line up with that, actually. So you mentioned that you're not investing at all in the top. <laughs> well, you're very investing very little in the top ten uh, in in this report. What's the investment thesis there? Because shouldn't you oh, be following? Yeah, well, because because we're VCs, so we're investing. What, what I mean is directly in these, right? So we're not we're not going out and buying a bunch of polka dot uh, L1s. Mm. Um, it's it's because we're investing in long tail projects. Right? We're we're mostly seed and Series A investors, so we're finding developers on on day zero and they're like, hey, I have an idea and I want to I want to go build something. So our our mandate is a little bit different, which is also why I think it's it's a little bit silly that somebody thinks that uh, you know we're going to be extremely biased. We're trying to build a uh, like this. This for us is the leading indicator. This tells us, hey, go go think about the Cosmos ecosystem. Like it's real. Go think about the Solana mm -hmm. ecosystem. Go think about the Polkadot ecosystem. But our, our mandate is much more, you know, two two people in an idea and they're trying to think of something to do, not, hey, let's go buy a bunch of Polkadot. All right. So walk me through, um, Jose, Ishan, when you look at the developer report and you look at the, the the chains that are leading, does anything stick out for you guys in terms of of, of the developers? And does this shock you in any way? Uh, Jose, yeah. yeah, go for it. Polkadot was definitely shocking. Uh, same as same as for you. Although it's shocking every year uh, to me. You know, it's it's always 
uh, in the in the in the top three, I think, in the, in in the developer report. And pretty much every six months, I go and try and use Polkadot. And um, there's always some kind of very little stuff to to actually like play with and 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 use. And I haven't done that in six months now. So maybe now I'll go check and, and there'll be some stuff. And if there is, I'm I'm happy to try it. But I guess just haven't seen. Um, the, the sort of productivity, right? There, there seems to be a lot of devs building stuff, but in terms of applications that that, that you can actually use, it doesn't seem to be to, to, to be as much um, on that ecosystem. And then the rest, I think, is is pretty much as as I'd expect. I think a lot of people would be surprised with the Solana numbers based on kind of what I saw on Twitter over the last month, right? Just people claiming Solana's dead or is a VC chain or or uh, Sam was 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 Solana. Um, I think anyone that's been to, to Breakpoint, that's been to some of the hacker houses, kind of knows that isn't the case and has an instinctive feel um, that Solana has like, one of the most active and, and differentiated dev ecosystems. Also, like culturally, I think they're they're very differentiated from from kind of even Ethereum, Polkadot, and, and Cosmos. Um, not necessarily in a better way, just just different, right? Uh, it's kind of a different developer base, I think, there. Um, but everything else is is roughly as as uh, as you'd expect. I'd expect. Um, over time, Cosmos to to kind of rise to to the top there, um, just because it's a it's a it's a tool set, right, to build your own chain rather than uh, a chain. So you actually have to like when you when you're building on Solana, you have you have to accept the VM, the you know everything else there. So so it naturally is going to restrict the number of people that, that, that want to do that. Whereas Cosmos um, gives you quite a lot of customizability and, and more and more over time. So I'd expect uh, Cosmos to to lead there, but again, because there isn't that doesn't all accrue to any to any one token, so it's almost uh, sort of not a not an apples to apples comparison, I'd say. Yeah, that's a good point. One one note too on the breakpoint thing, just on the validity validity of the data. If you go look at the the um, the developer graphs for Solana all up, there is actually a spike right around yeah. right around breakpoint, right? And and when we saw that, we we're like, wait, is that a bug? And and so we went and scrubbed the data. Um, and so, and then you see, and then you see, uh, you know, I don't remember it's in this one. Yeah, this is like weirdly zero index. And so you see, you see it come back down actually afterwards. And it's, it's basically because of breakpoint. Uh, and so there's actually like signals in the data that the data is actually capturing the right thing because it actually captured, like, I, I think if the same thing happened on the Cosmos side, it sort of, it, it caught the, um, uh, the Cosmos uh, uh, conference that happened because there was sort of a hackathon around that and like devs spiked. And then after the hackathon, they came back down. Um, so there's actually signals in the data that we're actually ca catching those kinds of signals, which is which is a good validation, I think. Yeah. Okay. Um, just quickly before Ishan, before I come to you, um, Avishal, Aptos and and I saw I think I saw Sui in one of the reports as yeah. well. Are you? Was there anything in the data around Aptos and Sui? I know they got a very low number of developers. I think it was like 75 or 100, or it was under yeah. 100. Or something like that. Was there anything surprising in terms of how quickly Aptos and Sui? Um, um, or is that just, hey, it's the first 75, it's usually quite quick? No, they're, they're extremely fast. Aptos, Sui, and um, there's another one actually in there. I, I have to go back and look. But um, yeah, you know, it, it looks like the, the, uh, the move chains actually, and if you look at move, we have some data around move, the programming language has also uh, picked up very, very, very quickly uh, in terms of number of stars on GitHub. Um, but Aptos and Sui both, uh, out of the gate, are, are doing a great job of attracting developers, um, and and we see that too. Like you know that that community is is tight. They they run great events, um, but they're actively recruiting. Like they're actually trying to find people to build stuff, and they're trying to say, hey, we should have two teams building wallets, and let's try to find people to do that. They're putting a lot of their, their ground game is really good. And I, you know, I think they're they're lucky, right? Because they have the benefit of having seen all these other teams do it for the last five plus years. And so they're taking a lot of that playbook and running with it, and, and they're doing a good job with it in terms of building an early community. I mean, 50, 50 to 100 people full-time is, is not that many people in the grand scheme of things. One of the other really interesting things in the report was, you know, once you get up to, uh, you know, two to 400 people full-time, that there seems to be some sort of, of like a network effect there, where there's enough tooling, there's enough people that you can talk to, there's enough people in the Discord, there's enough people at the conference, that there seems to be a little bit of, of sort of a network effect. It, it reminds me of... Um, Back in the day, Facebook figured out something like if you had more than 50 friends on Facebook, you became a monthly active user. Because when you mm -hmm. went back to Facebook, there's enough stuff to do or like somebody would always message you. And so it kind of feels to me like that, like maybe at about 400 devs, uh, you mm -hmm. sort of tip over and there's enough going on that, that you have you have some degree of network effects because those ecosystems haven't fallen off. Like if you look at kind of their um, their stability, they've, they've actually more or less stayed flat even in the bear market, whereas a lot of other ecosystems have come down a lot. Ishan, when you look at this data, what do you think? 
Yeah, I think I think the Cosmos thing is not surprising. You know, I, I think all of us have spent a lot of time in the Cosmos ecosystem. Mm -hmm. I think the the dev activity there is real and it's sticky, right? So so you guys kind of jump from project to project, but they still kind of stay within the ecosystem. I think there's kind of a a philosophical kind of uh, like bound there that when people kind of get into the Cosmos ecosystem, they they kind of really identify uh, with kind of the the kind of development process and and uh, you know kind of the way that they're building over there. Um, so I so I, I'm not surprised to see Cosmos. Um, I, I would kind of give a prediction, and my predictions maybe that next year, if we were to look at this and, and, and you guys were to run this with each other, that we would see uh, Polygon probably pass Solana. Mm -hmm. um, and, and my thesis behind this is kind of that, um, you know, I meet with a lot of devs coming out of India, and the amount, the sheer number out there is incredible. And every single person out there is highly connected to the Polygon ecosystem. And, and I, I think it'd be really interesting, and I'm sure this is probably really difficult to get, but if you were to look at like a demographic growth of like where a lot of these devs are coming from, I'd be willing to bet like, you know, the, the number coming out of India is going to be rising like pretty significantly. And then when you pair that with like, oh, okay, everyone over there is very easily connected to the Polygon ecosystem. Um, and, you know, with ZK EVM coming out and, you know, Zero and Maiden and all these other kind of scaling solutions, ZKR, ZK EVMs, um, that you're going to start to see that Polygon commit number like start to skyrocket. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that like number two, number three, maybe it's going to kind of go under the Ethereum kind of column, um, but just kind of like what, what I kind of predict seeing going forward. Yeah, two, two, two things to, to say on that, I think two, two important call outs. So one, you know, one of the biases that is in this report that is worth calling out is we can only look at open source developers. It's the stuff that's available publicly. And so that does undercount or, or underweight ecosystems that have lots of closed source stuff happening. And I do think Polygon has probably a lot more closed source stuff that we don't have access to. So if you're building a game, you don't open source it on day zero, for example. Um, Who else has, which other communities here do you think have hidden data? When I say hidden data, I mean a lot of closed source data as opposed yeah. to a lot of open source data. Where the yeah. ratio is the same. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I think Solana also has a has a has a culture of being a little bit more closed source, um, and and actually, like the Solana Foundation is trying to push people to be much more open source and release this data. But I think actually, Solana has a has a culture historically of also being a little bit more closed source. Um, and so, in in the top five, I think it's Polygon and Solana are, are likely actually undercounted, um, just given the nature of the kind of things that are being built and who's building there. The um, and so I think it's a really important call out. I actually think you know between. Um, Reddit and Facebook and Starbucks, like there's so many people around the Polygon ecosystem that are building effectively around Polygon that we're actually undercounting. Um, the, the second important call out, we actually have looked at uh, the geographic stuff and it's really, it's quite interesting. It'll be a, se a separate thing that we release later this year. But when we looked at it last year, what was really interesting was that uh, your, your intuition is exactly right. Um, India, uh, Russia, China, like those ecosystems were the ones that were growing very quickly actually in developers. Um, and this was self self ascribed on GitHub and Twitter. Like you know, you can say where you are on Twitter. You can say where you are on GitHub. And then we also looked at timestamps. So we said like between the hours of nine a.m. Uh, in the U.S. in Eastern time and nine p.m. Eastern, we can say you're basically you know in the U.S. basically, and, and you're working for writing code. Um, and so obviously there's going to be biases there because of things like VPNs. But um, uh, that data actually showed like going back to 2016 the percentage of developers that are in the US or in Europe has been going down. It went from like 70% down to 50% while the ecosystem has grown, you know, like 20X, right? So the ecosystem is 20X bigger, but the market share of, of the Western countries has dropped off. And the, and the big winners were basically um, Russia and India. Okay. Um, quickly, just before we carry on, BNB, BNB chain, there was yeah. huge development on it at one point. And I guess that that was the point where it was a cheap alternative to Ethereum that everybody was using when it was one of the only fast, reliable chains. Do you think that that drop is a little bit more permanent now where there's a, lot, a whole lot of other options and people are saying, look, hold on a second, you know, the BNB chain was fun while we needed it, um, you know, where we could easily uh, export apps that we were building for Ethereum to a, to a new low gas Ethereum, which was then BNB chain. Um, do you think that that trend is now finished? It's, it's an excellent question. I, I don't know. I mean, I think there's two, two worldviews on it. One is almost like, you know, BSC ecosystem was almost like a test net for Ethereum, right? It was just, it's a place you could deploy as low gas fees. You could play around with this stuff and, and learn a bunch. Um, and, and that was a great wedge. Like they were actually starting to build a real ecosystem. And the fact that, that Binance is involved and they have so many users that they can direct at this might be uh, a, a real competitive advantage for that ecosystem. Uh, and it still could be. Um, 
And so, you know, maybe maybe there's something there, and maybe as the market comes back, those those users come back, and that brings more developers. And so, you know, I don't I don't think they're they're done. I don't think it's a I don't think it's dead. Um, the other is exactly what you're saying, which is actually the purpose that it fulfilled was this testing ground. And and now that the Ethereum ecosystem has you know dropped gas fees, you have L2s that are really working, and and there's so many things there that those network effects really start to kick in. Um, and so why would you go build on a totally different ecosystem when you can build in, in the exact same ecosystem you're going to deploy in? Um, and so you, you might have actually a situation where the, the purpose it was fulfilling, you know, no longer is, is needed. I'm curious, I'm curious, Abichal, what you think about kind of the, so, so I, I've heard a lot of people kind of give the comparison of, um, of, of L1s to kind of like telecommunications networks. Yeah. And kind of like L1s are kind of like regional and people are just going to use them to kind of get like on chain or like get access to telecom. And then once you get there, it's kind of all about the DAP level and, yeah. and that's where the actual kind of like, you know, fat app piece is like, that's where the value accrual happens. Like, I, I'm curious how you, like, do you think there's going to be a world where it's just like very regionally dominated where like, you know, these guys are, you know, Southeast Asia is going to be on like Polkadot and like, you know, these guys are going to be on BSC, China's going to be on BSC. And like, you know, how, how do you kind of think of that plays out? Yeah, it's it's a it's a great question, and I think it's really possible. And the reason it's possible is actually goes back to this whole sort of Binance idea: is like where you're onboarding could have a really like from a mobile app perspective, or a web app perspective, or a wallet perspective, could have a really important impact on which ecosystems you first uh, onboard into, right? And so if you know in the West, if everybody's plugged into Ethereum and that's the dominant ecosystem, and you know um, there, Binance has a bunch of penetration in Southeast Asia. If Binance decides to really push the BSC ecosystem, you certainly could get a situation where where a region of the world, because of how they're onboarding, really gets onboarded into a particular ecosystem first. Um, but you see that actually, you know, you see that with telcos. You also see that with social networks, right? So like Southeast Asia has, you know, KakaoTalk. Uh, you know, Japan had its own networks for a long time. Um, you know, China has its own ecosystems uh, in terms of messaging clients that are totally different than the West. So, you know, at, at scale, certainly the world, I think, is big enough that, that it doesn't have to be winner take all, um, which is also why I think some of this sort of tribal stuff is kind of silly, which is like, yeah, guys, we're talking about like, you know, in aggregate, we're talking about 25,000 monthly developers, which is real compared to the major tech companies, let's say. But any given ecosystem with a couple hundred people in it, like it's so non-zero sum at this point. Like we should all be trying to get as many developers in just period. It's like, why, why are you spending time? Why are you wasting time at a fang? Why are you wasting time at these like mega companies? Come, come join this ecosystem with a couple hundred people in it and do like foundational technical work. Um, there's so many interesting opportunities. It's, it's totally, and the stuff spills over, right? Like the work the Polygon guys are doing on ZK stuff spills over and makes Ethereum better and makes you know, Cosmos better. And it's like, it's, it's so non-zero sum right now at this point in the industry. But how, how significant is the 25,000 number? And uh, people are saying, I'm, I'm, my eyes are wondering, I'm looking, for, I'm looking for more data here, but how significant yeah. is the, is the 25,000? Like, like, is this a serious industry? Like, wh where do we stand? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I mean, if you look at the major tech companies, you're starting to get into numbers on a monthly active basis that rival the big tech companies. And nobody, nobody says, hey, um, you know, Facebook, you know, Instagram only has, you know, 2000 developers. That's not real. It's going away. It's going to zero. Like nobody says that, right? Like you would never say that. Instagram is a real thing that 2000 people are writing code for every month um, that, that lots of people use. So I think we're starting to get into numbers where I think if you're, if you're rational, if you're not just sort of, you know, irrationally hate crypto or, you know, hate this ecosystem for some reason, I think it's hard to say this thing is going, going away. Like there, there's clearly something happening here. Um, in the grand scheme of things, though, I mean, 25,000 is a drop in the bucket, actually, right? Like compared to how many, I think there's 10 or 12 million JavaScript developers. So mm -hmm. in, in the grand scheme of things, we're still very early, which I think is, is amazing. Like, can you can you play this forward several years, seven to 10 years and say, you know, there might be a million developers in Ethereum one day. Um, and that would still mm -hmm. only be, you know, one tenth of what's in JavaScript, right? Like it's, it's actually a relatively small number. But imagine the amount of impact that, that a million developers could have one day, like the number of applications would be, that would be being built. And I don't think that's a crazy number, actually. So I want to I want to I want to expedite this segment because there's a lot more to talk about. But I, what I'm hearing here is as follows: It sounds like everyone here agrees that Ethereum is the number one, and Ethereum will remain the number one smart contract platform for the next couple of years. Any objections to that statement? Okay. Then it also I mean then I listen again, and it looks like the number two here in terms of 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 where people are going to be is Cosmos. So it sounds like everyone kind of here agrees that the Cosmos ecosystem is probably the the next best best bet. Or am I reading it wrong? Well, I, I think best is a tough term, right? It's it's more that like I think there are there, there's gonna there they're likely if this looks like a other network effect ecosystems, telcos, you know, social networking, payment networks, likely there's some sort of power law. 
And the big winners are really, really big. And right now, Ethereum is just so far ahead of everybody else with, with such strong network effects that it, it's unlikely that somebody's going to catch that anytime soon. It's happened before. Like people forget, you know, face, Facebook, when it was first getting off the ground in 2005, uh, MySpace already had 80 million users, right? And so Facebook went from zero to a billion way faster than MySpace went from 80 to a billion. Um, and so these things, you know, over, over 10 year time horizon can, can change. But right now, Ethereum is far and away uh, number one. And then, you know, the other ones are, are you know, I think we'll, we'll see. I think it's still pretty early. Like, you know, could you could you have predicted three years ago that that Solano would be where it is today or even Cosmos would be where it is today? Right. You know, Cosmos was flat for five years before it just kicked in. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to I want to just summarize this. And I think the best way to summarize this is to, to cut out the hot air and just get to the nuts and bolts. And for me, the nuts and bolts are very simple. Let's eliminate Ethereum. Let's yeah. eliminate Cosmos. And then what I want from you guys is based on the report, based on dev activity, what are the next three ecosystems that you're looking at? Let's start with Jose on that one. Yeah, so one thing to mention quickly is just that um, I think with EVM chains, like when, when I look at the numbers, I, I slightly discount like EVM chains and you kind of see it that EVM compatible chains have more multi-chain developers, right? And in a sense that they, they don't have to be as loyal, right? Because they can redeploy and you see that all yeah. the time between Arbitrum, Optimism and, and Polygon. Whereas a developer on, on Solana or on Cosmos has made like a concerted effort to learn or, or even on the near ecosystem, concerted effort to learn a new language, <coughs> new tooling. And so they're, they're going to be stickier overall. And the, the second thing, which I think would be an interesting kind of uh, addendum to the report, although I, I think the data is hard to, hard, to, hard to pull, is just like normalizing this by uh, VC dollars invested in the mm. ecosystem, you know, where I think Cosmos would really shine in, in, in that respect, right? I, I think it's clearly had a lot less VC interest thus far than, than other ecosystems. And so the dev numbers are in a sense like quite um, organic. But yeah, to, to answer your question, I, I think um, probably Solana, Polygon, and um, yeah, hard to, hard to pick a third there. Um, yeah, I'll Solana. let the others take it while I think of it while I, while I think of a third. Avishal, let's eliminate Ethereum. Let's eliminate Cosmos. What are the three chains that you would be bullish on here? Not financial advice, as you always yeah. say. But... Yeah, not financial advice. Just from a builder perspective. Yeah, I mean, I just looked down the list. We're, we're, that's why we do this exercise. You know, Solana, Polygon, Near are the next three that you sort of skip to. Uh, setting aside Kasama is sort of a part of the, the Polkadot ecosystem adjacent. Um, I'm not seeing Phantom here. Yeah, that's correct. Is it because, is it because my report is, is wrong? Uh, no, it's just there's yeah, Phantom, Phantom's down there. It's below Uniswap. So, you know, it's, it's kind of down in that uh, maker Uniswap synthetics. Oh, there it is. Okay, 28, yeah. 28. Yeah, okay, there we go. There we go. Uh, Ishan, let's eliminate Ethereum. Let's eliminate. So I'm going to do to you. I'm going to say eliminate Ethereum, eliminate Cosmos and eliminate Polygon because we've heard your, your opinion on Polygon. Um, give me three more that you would look to be deploying capital on. Yeah, um, I, I really uh, believe in the idea of like, you know, making developer ecosystems easier um, and, and giving dev tooling. And so here <coughs> and the ability to kind of write code in JavaScript is like pretty interesting and like kind of uh, like I do think they have a really good like kind of sharding uh, like scalability roadmap. So I, I do. I, I'm pretty bullish on near. Um, you know, I, I've talked over here about like after Sui, like I, I do really believe in like kind of the, the thesis behind move and, and, and kind of how much easier it makes developer uh, kind of like, you know, contract creation um, and. I guess if I would put a third, like, I guess if I can give a third, I, I would say my third would be like, I'm not surprised to see Avalanche pretty low down and I, I'm not bullish on Avalanche. So I guess I'll give two, uh, two truths and a lie. I, 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 I'm not really bullish on Avalanche ecosystem. I, I think a lot of the guys there are going to move over. Um, I, I'm not too much of a fan of this kind of like, I don't know, supernet thesis. Um, I, I don't know how kind of viable it is. Um, so I, yeah, I would say like, Yes to Near and um, and Aptosui, and I would say no to kind of Avalanche. Yeah, I mean, I, I must say, I think for me, Avalanche is an interesting concept, um, and especially with the whole subnet structure, and you know, uh, it's it's very interesting. But I just in a world where Ethereum executes on its roadmap, I just don't see. And you got all these layer twos, and you got Optimism and Arbitrum and 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 Stark and and all those other ones. Like, what what is what is the need for the? I, I just don't see the need for a for for an avalanche. But I'm I'm very open to be convinced because I'm not against it. And to be honest, I do hold some avalanche, other than the short position that I've got that I'm burning on. Well, burning, losing five grand on a short position, which the community here is uh, the community has been mocking me for a week about this short position where I'm losing my five k. Um, lastly, before we move on, Cardano. 
Can we just get the, the, the elephant out of the room here? I, I encourage the Cardano community to, to contribute to the, uh, to the repository. If they disagree with the data, they should, they should go in and, uh, and commit some code. All right, I think that, that's a good way to end this. Um, and that was Abishal saying that, not me. So if you want to clip it, clip Abishal, not me. Um, Charles, <laughs> if you want to join the show, you're more than welcome. You know that. Anytime you like, you can join the show. Um, let's talk about the news of the day, which was Genesis going into Chapter 11. Finally, we've been thinking that this is going to come from, uh, from around November. It seems like the market didn't even care that it happened. The market didn't move. But they did reveal a whole lot of things in this, in this liquidation. The one thing is that they seem to have a plan in place that in this plan, they're going to form some kind of trust and, and they, they have a plan. And as far as I read, they were talking about trying to be out of bankruptcy by 19th of May. So it's almost like they want to protect themselves using the chapter 11 protections, but they want to be out of, 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 of this chapter 11 by the 19th of May. The Winklevoss brothers, Cameron Winklevoss came out today, said, look, there's an earn update this evening. Globe, Genesis Global Capital filed for bankruptcy under Chapter 11. This is a crucial step towards us being able to recover your assets. While we have been working around the clock to negotiate an acceptable solution, Barry Silbert and DCG, the parent company of Genesis, continue to refuse to offer creditors a fair deal. The good news is that by seeking the protection of the bankruptcy court, Genesis will be subject to judicial, judicial oversight and be required to provide discovery into the machinations that brought us to this point. Crucially, the decision to put Genesis into bankruptcy does not insulate Barry, DCG, and other wrongdoers from accountability. We have been preparing to take a direct legal action against Barry, DCG, and others who share responsibility for the fraud that caused harm to 340,000-plus earn users duped by Genesis and its accomplices. Unless Barry and DCG come to their senses and make a fair offer to creditors, we will be filing a lawsuit against Barry and DCG immediately. Meanwhile, we will use every tool available to us in the bankruptcy court to maximize recovery for earn users and other parties within the, 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 the jurisdiction. So, in a long story short, um, it looks like it's getting a little bit ugly. They published a list of um, their uh, creditors. It's huge. There's $3.5 billion owed to creditors, which I didn't, I didn't realize that the hole was this big. Um, and the, all the familiar names are here. You can go through the list, I guess, in your own time. But when you look at the assets that they've got under management, management they're talking about between 100 and 500 million dollars uh, in assets. That means that there's potentially another three billion dollar shortfall in the crypto markets. What do we think about this uh, Genesis situation, Ishan? Let's go to you first. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think this is an entirely large uh, study of like a lack of due diligence across the industry, like. I feel like just no one was doing any due diligence and number was just going up so much that everyone is in kind of a great spot. Like, you know, if you're loaning out all of this money and you're Gemini, you're kind of using uh, DCG to, uh, for your earn program and you're not really doing the due diligence to kind of understand what your counterparty risk is. Like, that's just like a lack of due diligence, right? Like I, I saw like Donut App, which is one of these kind of like CD5 platforms that came up. They were in the same spot of like, they're just out here claiming like, oh, we're just going to give 6% in like a savings account. And what are they doing? They're just handing that money over to Gemini Earn and taking their cut. And like, oh, look, they're kind of doing like totally uncollateralized loans. Um, you know, they have no, they're not doing any due diligence about who these guys are loaning to, uh, not understanding how protected these loans are. So I think it's just a big kind of lesson in like, hey, like, I think this whole year has been a lesson on due diligence. Like VCs need to do a lot more due diligence. Uh, the guys who take on these loans or are loaning out this capital or taking customer funds and loaning it to, to third parties like this need to be doing more due diligence. Like people need to stop trusting other people. Like that's kind of why we're building like trustless economies. Like let's use these trustless tools um, instead of just like, okay, like they're a big name. They got it. Like they're good. So DCG, um, we know is starting to sell assets. So we know that Coindesk is, seems to be on the market. Charles Huskinson seems to want to maybe put in a, an offer, a bid for it. They're talking about numbers of around $200 million. That's one of what I think is a pretty impressive portfolio that DCG own. Um, you know, I think we, everyone can go to the DCG portfolio on their website and you can see all the impressive companies that they own or have owned, uh, et cetera. Um, it looks like they're starting to sell things off. Do you guys believe it? We're going to get some kind of, of, you know, unbundling of the group. Do you think that there's any risk to the GBTC Grayscale Trust? Um, love to hear your thoughts, Jose. Yeah, I don't, honestly don't have too much of a of a, a alpha on this. Um, I would just say that the Genesis thing was was shocking, right? And I think a lot of the stuff that's come out 
about risk and, and Genesis were the, the people that we thought I think were the were the smartest in the room, right? And the ones with the best um, risk management and seeing some of the stuff that came out about, you know, um, asking three hours for like AUM statements or like uh, telegram messages that, that confirm AUM, you know, like AUM is a pointless metric to ask for as a, as a lender anyway, right? It doesn't, doesn't reveal the, the, the liability side of the balance sheet and like a $3 billion hole. I just don't understand. Um, cause, cause didn't Barry have like his, his, his steady lads equivalent where it was like, we lost uh, 600 million, but we recovered it from balance sheet and every, everything's fine. So like where, I just don't understand where the, what yeah. they did was they gave a promissory note from the holding company to make Genesis solvent again. They gave them a promissory note and said, you know what, you've got a bad, we'll take the bad debt and we'll give you a promissory note. Our promissory note, because the last raise that we did was at a valuation of 10 billion, our promissory note is actually worth, is actually good. What they didn't budget for, I guess, was the fact that the whole market may come down and that the GBTC, they, they, they hold, they're the biggest holders of GBTC. I think they hold 666,000 shares or, <coughs> more actually much more than that um and so i don't think that they they they, they budgeted for such a big deleveraging i think the one thing that for me irks me a lot here is that barry silbert has been absolutely quiet and i'm sure he's under legal advice and i'm sure council has told him don't do an sbf don't get destroyed um but i think it is disappointing from someone who's who's been so prominent in the industry that they've kept such silence along the process i, I much prefer the cz approach of being much more transparent. You know what I mean? That, that's, that's just what I said. But I guess because he's in the US, he's probably under lots of good legal uh, counsel not to be talking, right? I'm sure. It's probably no. better to not be, not be tweeting. <laughs> Abishal, any, any, um, any thoughts about this and what the potential implications to the market may be? Do you think that, we, that something could happen to the GBTC Trust? They're the biggest holders of Bitcoin on the market at the moment. You know, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not super in the weeds on on that stuff, and uh, you know, I think it is generally speaking, when things go to court, it doesn't it doesn't resolve itself very quickly. So I don't I don't expect like a quick resolution here. So any sort of short term market market movements, even on, on based on price, I think are probably premature. I think building on one thing Ishan was saying, you know, I, I one thing I'm hopeful about here is that all of the failures here are basically the failures of 2008. Like people looked around and said, you look like a good guy. Why don't I give you a billion dollars? Or, hey, yeah, don't worry about the diligence thing. Numbers are going up. So like, just pay me back in six months. And, and there's a reason Bitcoin was invented, right? Because it turns out in that sort of a, a system and that sort of an environment, um, people are going to do really dumb things and, and somebody's going to steal a billion dollars. And, and uh, you know, a system like that is just going to get exploited. It's the whole premise, like the whole reason we're all here, the whole reason Satoshi wrote the white paper and wrote some code and shipped it was the idea was, why don't we create a system where people who behave that way can't screw everybody else? Because most people are good actors. Most people just are trying to do the right thing. But the, but the good people get caught up in this and then they get screwed uh, because some, some joker decided to steal you know, users' funds. Um, or lie and just say that they had money that they don't and lie on some form. And like, what are you going to do? The guy lied and ran away with, you know, a lot of money. What are you going to do about it? Um, so silver lining here is everybody that's in this space. If you look at it just from a demographic perspective, by and large, people are under 40. If you're in crypto, you're generally skew, you know, millennial or, or Gen Z. Yeah, it's not, not a lot of like over 60. And, and that demographic, you just look at it by age. Like we were not old enough to live through 2008 meaningfully. Like people weren't even in jobs yet. And you, you were basically in like elementary school or middle school when 2001 happened. So these are sort of like historical events that are now becoming lived events for this generation. Where like if you lost money on FTX, or if you lost money through, you know, an earned program or whatever, you now understand the thing that Satoshi was trying to tell everybody, which was like, these people will screw you. Like they will take your money and run away with it. And there's nothing you can do about it. Um, and so what I'm hopeful about is actually all of this stuff, when it plays out, people are going to set up and say, oh, yeah, there's a reason this stuff exists. And we now actually have the technology to solve this problem. Like you can actually have non-custodial solutions to most of the things that are happening here. And, and so it's sort of the same human failing again, just 15 years later. I mean, I've seen that there's not even a thousand likes. If there's not a thousand likes, I'm not giving away the Rolex that I can tell you. It's, it's <laughs> you know, we're, we're the only channel in the world that is giving away two Rolexes. There's a Submariner black and there is a Submariner uh, gold and blue. And oh, I'm going to give them one between now and the end of Feb. There wow. it is. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, how, do on, how do I get on the list? Do I have to like? Do I have to retweet? What do I have to do? Where are you based? U.S. 
Uh, well, then first you need to download a VPN. Once you got your VPN, you should sign up for Bybit or BitKit. And then every trade that you make, even though you're not a trader, every trade that you make gets you one entry into the competition. It's so simple. And, uh, and then what happens is I draw a winner and the winner has five hours to claim the watch. And if I don't claim the watch in five hours, then we draw the, a winner the next day and the next day and we carry on with, it, with, with these rules just to make it, just to make it a whole lot more fun. Um, I want to talk about FTX and the bankruptcy of FTX. Yesterday, the liquidator, the FTX token shot up because the DGENs heard the liquidator saying that, you know, he may even fire up the exchange. Do you think that's even remotely viable, remotely possible that the FTX exchange fires up again and that people actually start depositing money onto an, or the FTX exchange and give their KYC to a court-appointed liquidator in the United States? Like, does anyone think that that could be potentially a viable option? I think uh, I think the only way you see it is if if they do a Bitfinex style, like, hey, we're going to print a bunch of more FTT tokens to make people whole and then kind of force people to stay on the platform long enough to kind of at least like kind of trade some of it like back to FTX. But I think that's the only way, right? Like if they like make people whole and they're like, oh, OK, well, like you have to keep if you lock your funds on platform for like six months, then we'll give you like 100 percent of, of what you know you don't have in like FTT. Uh, I, I think that's like an interesting strategy, but besides that, like, uh, you know, like if I was anybody, I would just take what I can get and get it out of there. Uh, but if they were like, oh yeah, like here's a bunch of FTT on top and like, here's like a two month lock, like, you know, and you get like 60% in FTT and you kind of are made whole in that sense. Like, yeah, I'd consider it. Yeah. Does there any, any, any hope that FTT reboots itself? FTT? Oh, I don't know about, I don't know. I don't know about FTT, but yeah. Um, I mean, when when this initially happened, I'm I'm a I I had mine in FTX, so I'm a I'm a bag holder, and that bias is probably coming coming through in this. But I, I did think there was a chance of restarting, especially if sort of um, new deposits were kept in like segregated accounts with with proof of reserves, and then uh, the old people like like me would just keep trading with their like play money chips, and and like over time be able to cash out as more uh, sort of exchange revenues come in. But I just don't. Um, I don't see that this team that has like been liquidated on Aave repeatedly trying to cash out money is going to be able to run like the FTX exchange. Like I, it's, it's, I don't imagine the code is very, very well, very well documented. I don't imagine it's like very easy to, to pick all that up given that they had private keys stored on, 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 on the cloud and, and like uh, back doors and all sorts. So I, I just don't see how they're going to be doing that and, and, and like running, running this exchange. I, I don't see John, John Jay, you know, running a like, that being his forte, like running a, a DGEN, you know, gambling exchange. So I have very little hope for that. But I do think, um, I still think FTX, and I, I'm someone that's used all the exchanges in crypto, but also like traditional brokers and stuff. For me, FTX was the best product um, I, I've used in that category. And people still uh, really, really give a lot of hate for saying that. But like, I think it was the cleanest product to use. I've been using others now and it's kind of been all the pain points have, have come up. So I do think there's a gap in the market for someone to build that like cross margin, uh, like just sub account architecture exchange that works really well. And I think there's a few people going for it. I just don't think John Jay is going to be the, is going to be your think, man for that. Do you think that GTX has a chance of capturing that spot? Well, is it, is it GTX or F FTX or I don't know what the, the name is, but I'm, I'm referring to Suzu and Kyle's, exchange which is acting primarily initially as a claims exchange and then branching out into crypto and then going out into stocks and then going out into forex and everything else what do you what did you make of that <clears throat> yeah i don't have enough like info about it to really say um i think gtx is a placeholder name and they're gonna or, or maybe it was the real name and then they got so much hate that it became a placeholder i don't know but the the i think the idea of using your claims as collateral to trade perps is like, <laughs> it's really cool. Like, I think it's a really good idea. I think a lot of people are going to, are going to use that, especially because if you got wrecked for 90% of your portfolio on, on FTX, um, which I know a lot of people who, who unfortunately did, then your claims trading at 10 cents on the, on the dollar are pretty much the size of your current portfolio, right? So you're like doubling your, your available capital to, to, to trade with. And it's just so degen and like such a, such an such an interesting way to, to kickstart an, an exchange. I really think that's a that's a clever kind of growth hack. Um, I don't know how you're going to make the claims fungible uh, because there, there's going to be at least a few different classes of claims, right? Like KYC people, non-KYC people. I guess like FTX US, 
Uh, so that'll be interesting. And I imagine they've they've partnered up with with, with debt firms that have like an unlimited bid at, at certain levels and so can, can guarantee like the liquidations and stuff. But That's I do exactly. think it's it's yeah, I think it's super interesting uh, as a as a strategy. And I think they're partnering with a with with CoinFlex on it. Right. Which. Um, yeah. yeah. So th- th- they have the technology already. And actually CoinFlex is um, it, it is a cross margin like sub account architecture. It just has like no volume on it, and and the UX definitely isn't FTX. Um, but but it is that that's the architecture of it. So, it, it it's it's definitely an interesting one. Avishal, what do you think? Is there any chance that these guys raised to it twenty five million dollars on a vel of two fifty? Um, I mean, crazier things have happened. I mean, anybody that's been around in crypto for a while, you're like, Justin Sun is still around, and he like owns Huobi now. Like Circle used to be an OTC desk, and now like they had a rebirth. And like props to Jeremy for turning that into like a stablecoin business. You know, like Jed did Mount Gox, and then did Ripple, and then started Stellar. Like this is a pretty wild space, and and you know, rebirth happens in all sorts of interesting ways. Um, so I don't know, crazier mm-hmm. stuff has happened. So I wouldn't put it past them to make it happen. All right, listen. Lastly, before I let you guys go, let's talk about AI and uh, chatbot. And chatbot, which is now everybody's talking about chatbot. Every conversation, every restaurant you go to, every every bus that you ride on, everybody's talking about chat GPT. Um, and then we saw a pump in the crypto uh, AI space. We saw Singularity Net up. We saw uh, Viot up. We saw all the 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 AI um, blockchain plays. Are you guys looking at AI in blockchain? If you are, what are the types of plays that you guys are looking at right now that we can look at? Abishal, start with you. Not really. I think it's too early. I think it's super interesting. And this stuff gets really, I mean, when you play this out 10 years, it's going to get really, really effing crazy. Like imagine a world where there's an AI that can control billions of dollars that lives in the cloud and it can, it can, you know, it's just like really mundane questions. Like does an AI have to pay taxes? And if it pays taxes, who does it like, where does it pay taxes and how does it pay taxes? Cause it's doing a bunch of trading. And there's like really scary ones. Like, Hey, if an AI can pay humans in the real world to do stuff, uh, and it starts like paying people to do disruptive things in society. What the hell happens then? Right. And so this is going to get super weird in 10 years. Uh, like the intersection of crypto and AI, I think is going to be pretty wild. But I think it's a little early for it. It's it's kind of like, um, you know, 2012, 2013, like MasterCoin, you know, or like colored coins. You can look at it and you're like, oh, I get it. This is not just about Bitcoin. This is actually a platform to do all this other stuff. So you can kind of see where it's going to go in some sense, but where it's probably going to take 10 years to play out. Jose, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's I think it's very early. Um, there's a there's there's a lot of hype. I think it's really cool. Obviously, uh, like massive massive unlock. I think it'll have be pretty impactful on society. We'll definitely spend some time thinking about it. Um, I do think it's gonna like drastically increase the number of people that have access to like being designers, being writers, being coders eventually eventually as well, and also probably um, eliminate like jobs in the bottom, like X percent of those professions, right. That, that can be covered by AI, but as always, it allows the top, you know, uh, percent to be able to do more with their time and creates new jobs as well for that, for that, for that bottom percent. Um, I do think, uh, Hasib had an interesting tweet about this, right. About, um, sort of, uh, crypto being the, the new API for money. And in a way like AI being the, 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 the killer use case, like AIs actually being what, what, what crypto is made for. And in 10 years, like more AIs will you use, use, crypto than 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 humans uh, i think that's an interesting point i haven't seen i think there's so many issues with with this stuff like like data copyright uh and and, and intellectual property like the, the data that's, go, that's going into these models who owns it obviously we've had data marketplaces for a while like th- there's not much uh meaningful stuff being being traded on them um i just think there's a, there's a lot that needs to happen before like, crypto two, can, can yeah <laughs> In summary, in the interest of time, what you're saying is too early. I must tell you, I saw yeah. something that blew my mind on chat GPT or chatbot or whatever you call it. I saw a guy that went up to it and said, design me five games that are not available on iOS. And the chatbot designed the five games. And then he said, write me the code for the five games. And then chatbot wow. wrote the code for the five games. And then he said something like, I don't remember how he said it exactly, but it almost like package it into an app for me that I can upload onto the iOS store. And I don't know if he actually did it, but he just showed how easy it was to create five games that didn't actually exist. And that blew my mind. I mean, it, you, that's blew crazy. My mind. Ishan, uh, quickly before we go, we've got a minute. Talk to me about your views on AI and if you're looking at any other tokens. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think the Hasid thing, again, just like Jose said, was really interesting. And like decoupling the money API, I, I think that that's going to 
allow for some really interesting things in the future of like AI just kind of using money itself. Um, uh, but like me personally, like, I don't know, like I, I own a writing business in the space and like I've kind of used it and it's not anywhere close to where it needs to be. Like it can write thoughtful content. Um, so like I, you know, me and my business, like I, I, I'm not worried about it at least for like three, five, seven years out. Uh, but you know, things can change quickly, right? Like, you know, 12 months ago, we thought, you know, Sam was the smartest guy in the world and, and Luna was going to kind of be the, the world's biggest stable coin in Southeast Asia. So, you know, things can change quickly, but you know, I'm, I'm not too worried about it, but I do think like AGI is like kind of inevitable right like it's going to happen we're going to have kind of uh, like human intelligence as artificial intelligence um and you know what that does and i i think you know we're kind of smart enough as humans to kind of uh realize this and 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 kind of use it to our advantage um so uh, i'm not really worried long term all right listen that's a great way to end off guys thank you so much much love from the banter fam nice to see you all again see you guys again soon to the banter fam, let us thank you guys. And to the banter fam, let us just check what the number of likes looks like. Drop, what are the likes looking like? Let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Come on, Josh. Not enough, not enough. All right, so no Rolex giveaway today. Remember that our Friday banter are brought to you by NordVPN. They are the best VPN in crypto. Do us a favor, support the channel, sign up to NordVPN, protect yourself, stay anonymous. Give them love because the more love you give them, the more love they give us and the more great content we bring you. I am going to give away the Rolex. I may, sorry, I may give away the Rolex sometimes, sometime next week. So stay tuned. If you haven't already signed up, sign up to Bybit, sign up to BitGet. If you sign up to Bybit, you could win this watch over here. And if you, well, you can't see it. If you sign up to BitGet, you could win the Rolex Submariner Blackface. If you sign up to Bybit, you can win the, the blue and gold face. You choose what you want. You can enter for both. Every time that you take a trade, it's an entry into competition. See you guys again on Monday. Until then, my friends, trade well.